0: Pocalin, known by his stage name, Molière, was a French playwright, actor and poet, widely regarded as one of the greatest writers in the French language and world literature. He said this, The greater the obstacle, the more glory in overcoming it. Oh, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. It is always easy to find or create obstacles, They are the reasons not to do things, to delay the inevitable or avoid a challenge. Things we tell ourselves to ensure we remain within our self-created comfort zones. Photography requires us to ignore or knock down these obstacles, to increase the size of our comfort zones. I was reminded of this recently whilst watching an interview with the writer James Baldwin from the late 1960s. Baldwin was being challenged by a Harvard professor concerning the social and economic challenges Baldwin had overcome as a gay, black American man of letters. The professor claimed that Baldwin was proof that it was possible to overcome societal obstacles. Baldwin countered with his lived experience of those obstacles and encountering them and the broader impact they have on people from his background. Baldwin's points were, of course, well made and authentic. The professors based on academic theory and non-lived experience, and they were unconvincing. Issues concerning education, wealth, colour, gender can affect progression within photography. We know that. They can be obstacles placed by society in the way of anyone hoping to succeed within the creative industries. I'm pleased to see that many of these are now being expressed openly and addressed by many, although only time will see the results of such awareness and whether or not they succeed. 30% of adults at some point in their lives suffer from anxiety, but anxiety disorders are treatable and a number of effective treatments are available. There are many basic treatments that can be self-imposed, including lifestyle changes, or uh, the adoption of an incremental development of a personal comfort zone. Over time, if people continually avoid facing difficult situations, however, the anxiety grows and special requests for accommodation for that anxiety get bigger. Increasing the comfort zone means facing difficult situations. Approaching a stranger to photograph them is for many photographers the ultimate challenge to a comfort zone. The fear of rejection can be strong at this point and for many hard to overcome. I always find this with young photographers lacking in self-confidence and fearful of direct personal contact. The rise in anxiety worldwide has, I believe, coincided with a rise in an interest in landscape and observational street photography. I wonder if these relate to a sense of being an outsider. Not for all, but for some. This, for me, raises an interesting dichotomy for photographers. Should we avoid obstacles? Should we address them and remove them? Or should we pretend that they do not exist at all? Personally, I think that we need to address them, because if we do not, how can we improve not only as photographers, but also as human beings? Regular listeners will know that I've never really got to grips with Instagram. We exist on there, but the following is small and I just can't seem to work out how to use it. I'm sure that's a failure in me. But anyway... Always good to recognise your failures. But a lot of photographers seem like me to getting fed up with Instagram. For me, it's just adverts and reels. I just can't get to where I need to get to. And I know you can click on the Instagram uh, little logo at the top there, and that will take you to people you're following. I know you can do that. But even so, there seems to be a lot of dissatisfaction. I Therefore, you know, a lot of photographers seem to be looking for other platforms. Some seem to be returning to Tumblr. I'm not quite sure if that's going to have a resurgence. Uh, Others seem to be going back to Flickr, so that idea of going back to places where once they felt comfortable to see whether or not they can reignite the excitement. Others have gone to Vero, and I'm also on Vero and again I'm I'm not really sure uh why or how that's gonna be a good thing. But we are there, so if you're on Vero, then do please check us out. Others seem to be pulling their hope in granary, which is for analogue photographers. Well, we're even on TikTok, but I don't know why. I'm happy to look at all of these platforms, but I don't feel the need or the pressure to be involved with all of those platforms. For me, Twitter still works best, and therefore that's where I put most of my my effort. I think it's up to you what you choose to do or where you choose to go. Don't feel pressured into having to adopt everything and adopt new things, and don't feel as if you've got to jump on the latest bandwagon. Take that responsibility and control what you're doing for yourself. Also, don't forget to have a website. All of these other platforms are fantastic ways of directing traffic to that website. That really should be the centre of your network, the centre of your photographic universe. This week, I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to her in under five minutes, Nicola Muirhead, who's a documentary photographer and visual storyteller from the island of Bermuda, who focuses on long form projects and portraiture. Her practice is rooted in exploring the lived stories of individuals and communities as they exist in a time and place, investigating how we as people construct our own narrative from collective memory, personal traumas and historic events. Each body of work is undertaken with its own unique approach, incorporating a range of visual tools to convey the complexities of the human experience and the imprint of our stories on the world stage. Her projects are research-led, there's that phrase, and collaborative in approach, drawing from experts and testimonials of a community to narrate their story and their truth. Moorhead finished her Master's in Documentary Photography and Photojournalism at the University of Arts London in 2017 and is based between London and Bermuda, freelancing as a photographer for editorial portrait and reportage assignments, as well as a visiting lecturer in photography. She is a member of London Creative Network and Women Photograph and part of a team of professional photographers running a supportive bi-monthly networking event called Photo Scratch. Nicola is also a founding member of the Collective Eye podcast, a grassroots, no host podcast aimed at promoting engaging conversations in photography and beyond.
1: Photography is an all-consuming part of my life, something I never anticipated when I first began this journey, and it has expanded and continues to expand infinitely into all aspects of my life. Photography has challenged me in ways that I never thought possible, and I'm so grateful for that. But at the same time, it has come with a lot of heartache. It comes with a lot of myself and the way that I experience the world. Uh, it's taken a toll on me financially, mentally, and at times my, in my personal life. It's not a stable income, and it's certainly not a so called fair industry, very much an industry where you pay to play in many cases. And so I've walked a precarious road with photography, but I do it because I love it. Uh, The rewards are incredible, and those are very personal and subjective to the photographer, to the person and the people involved in the process as a whole. Um, But I ultimately do it because it gives me a sense of purpose and a feeling of being present in the world. Photography is many, many parts in my mind. It, it isn't just about taking the image. It's also about engaging with individuals, communities, and in political discourse, in challenging our perceptions of each other, investigating our shared history and, and our past. Who are the actors or what were the events and influences that shape our present today, that have shaped our present um, so it's about being curious about the complexities of our world. But there are two sides of photography for me, the personal and then the professional. Um, the personal side is the way that I'm, I feel inspired. Photography, to me, can be a form of time travel. When you look at an image, it's always of something that's happened. And it's used as an artifact almost, um, to project our ideas of the present and, and perhaps even the future, which can make it a very problematic medium, but it can also make it very powerful because it's such a small fraction of a time and place that it can be interpreted in so many ways. An image can be beautiful or it can be disturbing. It can be symbolic. It can be a moment that sparks conflict or conversations that need to be had. It can be uh, an image that takes us to another universe because it can't say at all an image can't say it all which requires us to think critically on it to analyze it or to even try and find ourselves in the story or at least that's the hope so photography the personal is all the things that make you fall in love with storytelling with the creative spirit and with that part of you that wants to connect and then there's the professional side and again, that comes with the heartache that comes with the stress and, and anxiety and fear of not being able to get your work out there into the world. Um, and it, it has been a source of sadness for me in my my life, because, of course, there's this duality in this profession where the personal creative part of you that invests in the craft, invests in the story. Um, in in many cases, working with people or communities that you've grown to know and love and ultimately accepting the possibility that the work may not go beyond your shared experiences together. And that's okay. It's natural to feel disappointed and to feel as though you may have let others down or even yourself down. So it's a tight rope I walk doing what I love and then finding ways to support myself creatively, not just mentally and financially, but sustainably. Being able to continue doing the work that I love, the projects that I invest in, that I spend time working on, despite the obstacles. So in short, photography is my world. It is my universe. Um, I sleep and dream of photography. I think photography. It is my access point to constant growth, constantly learning and being challenged. But it's also the source of my fears and my self-doubt. But I think it's always important to ask, why do I do this work? Why am I a photographer? What is my motivation for telling the story? I ask myself this a lot because I think it's really important to know. So the question, what does photography mean to me? I ask a version of that quite a lot. And it's a long conversation I have in my mind. Um, And ultimately, I come out the other end knowing that it's about the journey And that I'm incredibly lucky to be able to do what I love and to be able to have deep, meaningful connections with the time and place with people through my photography.
0: Thank you, Nicola, for your contribution this week. I think it raised some really interesting points there. And actually, for me, a few things I'd like to talk to Nicola about separately from this podcast. One is that kind of breaking down photography into the personal and the professional. I've kind of spent my entire career and a lot of time writing and talking on this podcast and writing in books about how actually you need to bring those two things together from my perspective, they shouldn't be separate and they can exist more powerfully as a joint kind of uh, language and way of working and building a practice around that, that combining of the personal and towards the professional and identifying where that personal takes you. So who knows? Maybe I'll have a chat with Nicola about that separately also interesting there about that idea of pay to play i'm old enough to know that you don't have to pay to play to be involved with photography because that's a new thing or a relatively new thing and there are ways which i certainly know of where you can avoid that you can circumnavigate that whole pay to play thing you know that i've always spoken out about paying for portfolio reviews, paying to enter competitions and so forth. If as photographers, we keep doing that, all we're doing is keeping, I should say, that business going and it's kind of feeding off of us. And that's something we need to stop. So really interesting, I thought, from my perspective, I hope also from yours, to hear about Nicola's journey there as she describes it. As always, check out her work if you're not aware of it. And you can find a link to her website on the United Nations of Photography podcast page where this episode is posted. Also interesting that she mentioned anxiety there, tying in with something I was talking about at the beginning of this uh, podcast as an, as a kind of self-created, in a way, obstacle. Whilst we're on the subject of obstacles and overcoming them, one of my sort of greatest friends, I suppose, in the journalism world is Peter Silverton, who's not been well recently. And despite that, it hasn't stopped him uh, writing a book. Which is due to be published next year. And from that book, which he's been sending me extracts from, uh, we've been posting a couple of little short, what we're calling snapshots, little kind of insights into a photographer and a cultural situation and a photograph. So two of those have gone up on the United Nations of Photography website over the last week. One dealing with Edward Steichen and the other one with Thomas Struth. Pete's certainly uh, overcoming any obstacles he has and his standard and quality in writing is absolutely beautiful. It's intelligent, insightful and really kind of sharp and easy to to get to the meat of, So I really recommend checking those out. And everybody involved with the podcast also wishes Pete the best going forward. I often say that this podcast isn't your average, your normal podcast. I By saying that, I'm not dismissing other podcasts. It's just around photography, I should say. But what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do is do something a little bit different. And what that often involves is bringing in references to writing, to poetry, to music, to the arts in general, to the broader creative industries. And I hope you find that element interesting. Well, I saw uh, a little piece of uh, information that was released by DAX, the copyright people in the UK, uh, the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you because I hope it ends with a little bit of positivity in these dark times. It said this, it said, and this was a YouGov survey, I should say, from 2022, so they've just released it. It said 81% of people say that culture, e.g. music, art, books, films, images podcasts and TV, TV herein cultural content, is important in their daily lives. I think that's something we should really hold on to, because I think it quite often feels as if we're not important in people's daily lives outside of our immediate community. But of course we are. And it's why so many of you who listen to this podcast are also involved in education, in teaching, in mentoring, in creating photo books, in putting together podcasts yourself or whatever it may be. Creating photographs. Creative endeavour is important, not only to us, as Nicola was referring to earlier. She was referring to that idea of how important the creation of photographic images is to her being, but also to audience, to the viewer, to the people out there, the people you never meet, the people you perhaps don't have conversations with about photography. I was recently at a country park with my youngest daughter and everybody was taking photographs with their phones of their children running, jumping, enjoying the park. And those images, as we know, will go on to become incredibly important memories in those children's lives when they look back. So 81% of people say that culture is important in their daily lives. And I have to say, I agree. Well, as summer seems to be coming to an end as the rain is once again pitter-pattering on the shed roof as I record this particular episode, a lot of you will be getting ready to go back to work, going back to teaching, starting learning, whatever it may be, that September feeling of kind of we're back again and we're going to start again and hopefully people will feel a little bit refreshed by some kind of summer break, getting away from the day daily drudgery it is difficult times they are dark times and i have to say as a optimistic realist i find myself having to reflect on those but as i say with a sense of optimism i'm going to keep doing that every week in this podcast as we move into the autumn we've got some amazing guests joining us and we've got some important topics to discuss i hope you join us and i hope you're feeling good and of course Take care.